0: session I want to just talk a little bit about the person of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 we're told we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit or to offend him and I just want to remind us that you can only offend a person you can't offend a power or force uh, or even a presence but you can offend the person the person of the Holy Spirit he can be grieved And so while he brings power and his presence is a wonderful thing to be experiencing and enjoying, we need to keep it in the right order that he is first and foremost a person. And I want to speak a little bit about things that can grieve or offend the Holy Spirit just for a moment and uh, answer one or two little questions, remembering what I said in the first session, that the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is such a confusing it's so confused in the body of Christ today. So much confusion and misunderstanding regarding the Holy Spirit. Uh, <clears throat> so many circles, theologically, and and in practice. And so, uh, I want to just try to clear up some of that to the little, to the degree that I can. I don't have, as I said earlier on, I don't have a handle on all of the truth. But there's enough truth, uh, truth, uh, given to us in the scriptures to help us. To be sure, we can just cooperate with him, keep in step with him, walk with him, love him and enjoy him and please him. So some people ignore the Holy Spirit acting like, yeah, he's the silent partner of the, of the, of the Trinity. <clears throat> Never talk about him, talk about the Father, they talk about the Son, but they ignore the Holy Spirit altogether. Others, of course, make the Holy Spirit the center of everything. They, all their prayers are to him. Uh, everything is calling him. Into our meetings, and <clears throat> instead of making Jesus the center, we make the Holy Spirit the center of of, of, our, of the of the uh, our, of what we teach and what we practice. And then, of course, there's everything else in between those two extremes. And so, we, we do we as as preachers of the Word of God, leaders in the Body of Christ, are we ignoring Him or are we overemphasizing Him? In the, our own lives and in the lives of our churches, or, or are we asking God to help us to keep the balance, like the Scripture teaches us? So, in John sixteen thirteen, remember this: that Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, He shall not speak of Himself. Whatever He hears, that shall He speak. As the King James says, or the NIV says, He will not speak of His on His own. He will speak only what He hears. The Message Bible puts it this way. He will not draw attention to himself. And the Amplified Bible says, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. So does this mean we can't speak to the Holy Spirit? We can't worship him? Uh, I don't believe it does because the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit... And you, all of us are commanded by Jesus to worship the Lord our God with all our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, our strength, our energy, whatever. And so being part of the, the Godhead, he is God and therefore he is worthy of our worship. But Jesus does help us to understand how to pray, how to address the Father, the, the, the Godhead, uh, revealing to us the different parts, m- our ministries, uh, manifestations, purposes that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit uh, do and play. And, uh, And I believe we would be wise to stick to the way Jesus taught us, as the primary way that we approach the Godhead. He said to us, when you pray, pray our Father, pray to the Father. And he himself constantly prayed to the Father. So We pray to the Father, and then we pray through the Son, in the name of Jesus, on the basis of what He has done for us, what He's accomplished for us, what He's opened up for us, Uh, the invitation to come to to the very throne room of God, to come boldly to that throne room of grace, to obtain mercy, to obtain help. And so we come to the Father, through the Son, but we come in the power of the Holy Spirit, the enabling. Of the holy spirit he enables us uh you can read ephesians chapter 6 verses 8 verse 18 ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 jew chapter 20 verse 20 all of these about the holy spirit his enabling power but there are occasions in scripture where in actual fact people actually address jesus so while this is the preferred way the way jesus helped us to try and understand to pray to the Father the, through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we have, we have to ignore the Holy Spirit when we speak. We Some people, on occasions, like in John 4, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus actually says, I will do whatever you ask me. You may ask me in my name, etc. He said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, uh, it says Paul was writing, and he says this with all those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus. So, we, we, we can there's times that you pray to the Lord Jesus, and uh, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus would include prayer. So, while the Scripture tells us this is the best way, it doesn't negate or refute or deny the possibilities of us praying to the Holy Spirit, or praying to Jesus on occasions, but stick to the way Jesus has taught us. I can't find a single uh, example in Scripture where people prayed to the Holy Spirit. So remember, when we pray to God, we're praying to all three persons in the Godhead. So now, He's a person. And there's a few things that the Scripture says about how we can... Uh, offend the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 7, verse 50, 51, Stephen talks about how you can resist the Holy Spirit. You can resist him. Stephen was uh, showing Israel that throughout the history, uh, they, they had a history of just resisting God, being in opposition to his ways, the way the Spirit wanted to lead them. And so the Greek word for the word resist in English is the word anti pip Toll. and it means to stand in opposition to take a contrary position or to continually clash with with, with. and so we've got to be very careful that we don't uh, you see we've been given a free choice and we can either cooperate with the Holy Spirit or we can resist Him He generally won't force us and He desires loyalty to Him to come from a loving heart. You see, the Holy Spirit draws us with a tender, loving conviction. And then we choose to respond to His drawing or and His conviction or to resist Him. And uh, I want to just say to you, choose always to respond to the Holy Spirit. Don't ever resist Him. Uh, don't work against Him, but work with Him. Secondly, the Holy Spirit can not only be resisted, but he can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that. The Holy Spirit comes in his wonderful grace and mercy, kindness and love. He comes to become to help us to become more like Jesus and to be stronger in our faith. Uh, each day he wants to work those things into us. He wants us to help us to overcome temptation. He wants us that little inner voice that tells us to be careful. Don't do this, don't say this, or do this, do that. Say that, and if we resist, we grieve Him, but if we obey, we please Him. And surely every believer wants to please God. And so when He touches our hearts, don't ignore those little promptings, those little urgings that will grieve Him. Surely if we love Him, we want to please Him in every way. So the Living Bible says this, don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live. Just quickly to say this about grieving the Holy, the Holy Spirit. We grieve Him when we disobey Him. That's an obvious thing. When, when He tells us to do something uh, and we don't, we grieve Him. But we also grieve Him when we simply just ignore Him. We act like we can't hear Him. We act like He's not touching our hearts. We act like He's not involved in something. And uh, you know those little nudgings, those little urgings that come from the Spirit of God, that inner conviction... And we act like we we didn't hear it. We In those times, we're grieving him. We can also, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's the spirit of truth. And we grieve him when we exaggerate, when we tell lies, when we say God said, that when God didn't, um, God told me to say, God told me to do, God promised our church this, and he didn't, we're grieving him. So keep, with the spirit of god and keep our hearts open to him next thing third little thing is we him as a person he can be insulted hebrews chapter 20 chapter 10 verse 29 says and they insulted the spirit of grace the greek word for insult really comes from two words the one means a position in place or a time or a state as an intense intensive it's strong when they, and from a, a second little word uh, the word hybrids uh, which means to insult. So W.E. Vine says this that to insult the Holy Spirit, the Greek word there really suggests the insulting disdain of a person who considers himself superior. This applies primarily to unbelievers. Uh, they constantly reject the urgings, the redemptive work of Christ. They're too clever, to, uh, too educated to respond to God. Uh, they mock the very concept of God. And so those are the main ways that we can work against the Holy Spirit in this sense of insulting Him. But if I read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 correctly, and I want to just read those to you very quickly, it seems to me that it could apply to believers. And it says this here, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So if you continue to do what the Spirit convicts us not to do and, not to, and we don't do what He tells us to do, I believe we're in danger of insulting Him. Now, I just put that out to you. <coughs> not as a threat, just be careful. And then fourthly, the Holy Spirit can be quenched, Just 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Remember, Jesus said that, John the baptizer said of Jesus, He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire purifies and fire empowers. Uh, so don't put out the fire in purifying when he's trying to purify our hearts or when he's empowering us. We quench the Spirit of God, as well as the King James has done, quench the Spirit, when we allow the flesh to take pl- the, the place of the energy of the Holy Spirit. This, we, this can often happen in our meetings. W.E. Vine says this, Apparently the injunction, quench not the Spirit, was intended to warn believers against the substitution of a mechanical order for the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit. In other words... Our programs, our liturgies, etc., our structures, can become human, uh, fleshly, uh, and become a substitute for Spirit-led meetings. Arthur S. Way says this, in your church gatherings, do not repress the manifestations of the Spirit's gifts. The good news uh, for the world says this, do not stop the Spirit when He wants to do something. And then, so cooperate with the Holy Spirit, don't quench the fire, what he wants to do in your meetings, but at the same time, you quench the Spirit of God when you force things that to happen in human energy, and it's not God. And I've seen people forcing things in meetings that were not God, saying it's the Holy Spirit, and that quenches the Holy Spirit. And then moving on quickly, the Holy Spirit can also be blasphemed. I don't know that it's possible for a believer to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You'd have to be... Absent, but it says in, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through to 10, and also in Matthew twelve thirty-two, 32, uh, he, he said this, that the Pharisees had witnessed what Jesus was doing. They knew it was the power of God. They were utterly convinced of that. They actually said, if we say, we, we know this, but if we say, then we're in trouble, so we we got to tell lies. So they knew that Jesus is working supernatural miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet they claimed His power was demonic. And I don't know. I mean, they actually went as far in, in Mark chapter three, verse thirty. That if you read from verse twenty to thirty to, to verse thirty of Mark three, they actually said he was demon possessed. Now I don't know that we that uh, to me it's utterly questionable as to whether a believer can ever do that but I want just to say this Uh, if you worry that you've committed the unpardonable sin blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that is proof positive you haven't because if you had you wouldn't care two hoots the Spirit would withdraw from you your conscience would be just seared totally but if you've got any concern I wonder if I have Blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I want to give you the total assurance you haven't. So let's rather be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's let the Holy Spirit manifest His gifts in our lives. Let's keep in step with Him, be controlled by Him, taught by Him, empowered. Everything he wants to do, all the expressions of his life in and through us, who is the great, wonderful third person of the Godhead, the precious Holy Spirit, the great executive of that Godhead, whom Jesus promised as the promise of the Father. He's for us today. Let's keep with him, walk with him, keep in step with him, love him, and let him express all of the life in and through us that shows us the world who Jesus is and makes us more like Christ. And I pray that God will bless you and help you in your walk with God, always keeping Jesus the focus and loving the Father and thanking Him for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Blessings on you. Amen. (music)